0: Hello and welcome to Speak the Words, a Warbreaker podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Mango. And this season, we we hopped through the perpendicularity, we took a quick trip across Shadesmar, went to Nalthus, and we're talking about Warbreaker. We I left Roshar. No I what
1: the fuck you just said, but okay. I
0: know. And I just, I, I really like to use a lot of words that you don't know the context of what they mean, because I think it's funny. And I will do anything to amuse myself. But we're on Naltis this season, hanging out with the likes of Siri and Ravenna, and Song and Vasher, and most importantly, Nightblood. Before we jump into the episode, I just want to tell you guys that we have a Discord server. I'm going to start plugging stuff at the beginning, because I don't think... <laughs> I don't think it's smart to plug it. I mean, I'm going to plug it at the end too, but like, I feel like more people are going to hear it if I do it now. So, we have a Discord server. It yep. is, uh, the link to do, to, to join that is in the episode description. And it's also, uh, on our Twitter account as our pinned tweet, which our Twitter account is at SpeakStormlight on Twitter.
2: Beyond that, Mango, what happened last time? Um,. Well, so Siri
1: is this girl that just, like, carefree, does whatever, because she doesn't have to be important, and she likes not having to be important, um, and her older sister Vivenna has been trained her whole life to marry the god-king, who mm-hmm. this kingdom hates, um... But she has to marry him to, like, avoid a war, or at least delay a war. And their dad is like, hmm, I love Vivenna more than I love Ciri, so I'm not going to (laughs) marry off Vivenna, I'm sending Ciri instead. And so Ciri is now going off to marry the God King, and Vivenna's like, what the fuck, that was my whole purpose. What am I going to do now? and now she's making a plan to do something yeah you- which you i'm assuming <laughs> is probably to go fuck shit up in the other kingdom anyway and then we have um light song who um is a returned so he's basically treated like a god mm-hmm. and he has to absorb the breath or the power, from people in order to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't believe in the religion that he's a symbol of. Understandably.
0: <laughs> but, um,
1: also, Sean didn't tell me this last time, but apparently they're canonically fucking shredded.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all, like, super hot. Because they're, like... They're, like... They're like Greek gods, essentially. They're like Adonises. They're uh, they're all super hot.
1: Mm-hmm. Why didn't you tell me this last time?
0: I, I didn't think it was relevant.
1: Of course it's relevant. <laughs> Basically, we left off there with those three.
0: You met one more character. Who isn't like a super main character, but they are going to come back. So you should keep them in mind.
1: Oh, it, was it the, the like guard dude that Siri was talking to? No.
0: no, no, I'm talking about Vasher.
1: Oh, Vasher, that dude.
0: Yeah, Vasher and Lightblood.
1: I forgot about him. Yeah, he yeah, Vasher... he basically absorbed this one guy's breath, who had like lots of it, and then killed him. And that's it.
2: <laughs> and
0: he recovered his talking sword
1: oh yeah and the way
0: he the way he recovered it the guards had taken it cuz he was in a prison and when he went into the guards room everybody in there was dead and the the sword the wasn't sword, even fully
1: unsheathed
0: no it was through somebody's chest Sheathed without being
1: unsheathed
0: yeah it was just just a little unsheathed and he and he put it he, he put it back in it was just, you just saw a little Jeez. hint of a black blade underneath the, the silver sheath. But um, those, those poor fucks were all dead. <laughs>
2: the, the, they met their maker.
0: Now, episode two, starting off with chapter four. We're going to get right into it. We start with series carriage as it arrives at Tettilere, the capital of Hallandren. She's met by some 40,000 soldiers wearing blue and gold uniforms, lines of yes. cavalrymen, men, in golden cloth, and it, like, the city is a massive city with domes and spires and painted walls. She's blown away by the display, and it's also clearly unnerving her guards that uh, accompanied her from home. A man in blue and silver rides up to her. Lady Cicerina uh, <laughs> Royal. I am Trelides, High Priest of His Immortal Majesty, Susabran the Grand, returned God and King of Halandrin. You will accept this token honor guard to guide you to the court of the gods. Without waiting, the priest turned and rode on into the city. Her carriage rode on with her soldiers, uh, staying close. They're coming out of like this jungle onto what essentially looks like a beach with palm trees and soil mixed with sand. Hmm. Her view of the landscape soon grew obstructed by the vast field of soldiers who stood at attention on either side of the road. Austere god of colors, one of Ciri's guards whispered. They're lifeless. And, uh, lifeless is capitalized. He was right. Under their colorful uniforms, the Hallandran troops were a dull gray. Their eyes, their skin, even their hair all had been drained completely of color, leaving behind a monochrome. Those can't be lifeless, she thought. They look like men. She'd imagined lifeless as skeletal creatures, the flesh rotting and falling from the bones. They were, after all, men who had died, then been brought back to life as mindless soldiers. But these that she passed looked so human. There was nothing to distinguish them save for their lack of color and the stiff expressions on their faces. That, and the fact that they stood unnaturally motionless. No shuffling, no breathing, no quivers of muscle or limb. Even their eyes were still. They seemed like statues, particularly considering their gray skin. and. I'm going to marry one of these things, Siri thought. But no, returned were different from lightless, and both, or lifeless, and both were different from drabs, which were people who had lost their breath. So we've got the returned who have died and come back and are super hot. We've got the lifeless who have died and been brought back and are not super hot. And then the drab is the term for just the normal people that get, get their breath taken, uh, like the little girl who gave her breath to light song. Yeah. Siri remembers when somebody from her village had returned some 10 years ago and had died a week later. He'd been able to interact with his family though he couldn't remember them. Siri had expected to find obscenely huge walls and clashing colors but found the city to be much more beautiful than she'd imagined. There was a sense of artistry to everything. She couldn't tell the poor from the rest of the crowd as all wore brightly colored clothing. Siri found the overwhelming display intriguing and wondered if that, was what, if that was the reason that her father had sent her instead of Ivenna. Could she relieve the tension between the two nations? That sense of possible duty made her anxious. Siri tries to distract herself by inspecting the city again. The bright sea broke into a bay before the city and Tettilere curved around the bay. The road led up to a seaside overlook within the city, a small plateau that had an excellent view except the entire plateau was surrounded by a large obstructive wall. The procession entered the Hallandran Court of Gods, but the ordinary people stayed outside. Several dozen enormous mansions dominated the enclosure, each one painted a distinct color. At the far end of the court was a massive black structure, much taller than the other buildings. She saw figures sitting on balconies watching her carriage go by. In front of each of the buildings, a crew of people wearing the color of their building knelt on the grass. She takes note of the large black pyramid structure and how it's set apart from a city filled with color. The procession stopped in front of the massive building, and the priest rode his horse up to Ceres' window. "'We have arrived, Vessel,' the man said. "'As soon as we enter the building, you will be prepared and taken to your husband.' "'Husband? Won't there be a wedding ceremony?' The priest smirked. The God-King does not need ceremonial justification. You became his wife the moment he desired it. Siri shivered. I was just mm-hmm. hoping that maybe I could see him before, you know. The priest shot her a harsh look. The God-King does not perform for your whims, woman. You are blessed above all others, for you will be allowed to touch him, if only at his discretion. Do not pretend that you are anything other than you are. You have come because he desires it, and you will obey. Otherwise, you will be put aside, and another will be chosen in your place which I think might bode unfavorably for your rebel friends in the highlands. The priest turned his horse, then clopped his way toward a large stone ramp leading up to the building. The carriage lurched into motion, and Ciri was drawn toward her fate. And that's the end of chapter four.
1: Huh. I don't like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, neither did I. I was super uncomfortable at the beginning of this book and was not really into it. Mm Mm-hmm. Chapter 5 This will complicate things, Vasher thought, standing in the shadows atop the wall that enclosed the Court of Gods. What's wrong? Nightblood asked. So the rebels actually sent a princess. Doesn't change your plans. Vasher waited, watching, as the new queen's carriage crept up the incline and disappeared into the palace's maw. What? Nightblood demanded. Even after all these years, the sword reacted like a child in many ways. She'll be used. I doubt we'll be able to get through this without dealing with her. He hadn't believed that the Adrians would actually send royal blood back to Tetelier. They'd given up a pawn of terrible value. Vasher turned away from the court, wrapping his sandaled foot around one of the banners that ran down the outside of the wall. Then he released his breath. Lower me, he commanded. The large tapestry sucked hundreds of breaths from him. The tapestry twisted a thing alive and formed a hand, which picked Vasher up. As always, the Awakening tried to imitate the form of a human. Looking closely at the twisting and undulations of the fabric, Vasher could see outlines of muscles and even veins. There was no need for them, the breath animated the fabric, and no muscles were necessary for it to move. The tapestry carefully carried Vasher down, pinching him by one shoulder, placing his feet on the street. Your breath to mine, Vasher commanded. The large banner tapestry lost its animate form immediately, life vanishing, and it fluttered back against the wall. Some people paused, but they were not in awe. This was Tettelier, home of the gods themselves. People gawked, then moved on with their days. Attention would be unavoidable. Vasher now caused colors to brighten dramatically when he was near. The change would be noticeable to normal people and obvious to those of the first heightening. You'd have to get used to being noticed again. Thankfully, tetelier was filled with oddities from lifeless to awakened objects. He shouldn't stand out too much. Of course, that didn't take Nightblood into account. Vasher moved through the crowds, carrying the overly heavy sh- sword in one hand, sheathed point, nearly dra- uh, sheathed point nearly dragging on the ground behind him. Some people shied away from the sword immediately. Others watched it, eyes lingering far too long. Perhaps it was time to stuff Nightblood back in the pack. Oh, no you don't! Don't even start thinking about that! I've been locked away for too long! What does it matter to you? I need fresh air and sunlight. You're a sword, not a palm tree. Nightblood fell silent. He was smart enough to realize that he was not a person, but he didn't like being confronted with that fact. It tended to put him in a sullen mood. That suited Vasher just fine. One thing Vasher had missed was the restaurants. And I—that's not me—well, it is me paraphrasing, but they use the word restaurant, and that's wild to me. This is the only Sanderson book I can think of where they use the word restaurant. The city was large enough and rich enough to support dedicated food providers over just paying a local woman to feed you or eating at an inn. Vasher had reserved a booth at one already. He leaned Nightblood up against a wall, and the sword was stolen instantly. He ignored the thievery and settled down with a warm cup of citrus tea. After a few minutes, his life sense warned him that he was being watched. Eventually, that same sense alerted him that someone was approaching. Vasher slipped his dagger from his belt with his free hand as he sipped. A priest sat down opposite Vasher, wearing normal street clothing. He'd still worn the white and green of his deity, however. The priest, Bebid, looked about about nervously. He had enough of a breath aura to indicate that he'd reached the first heightening. It was where most people, those who could afford to buy breath, stopped. That much breath would extend their lifespan by a good decade or so, and give them an increased life sense. It would also let them see breath auras and distinguish other awakeners, and, in a pinch, let them do a little awakening themselves. A decent trade for spending enough money to feed a peasant family for fifty years. Well, Vasher asked. Bebid jumped at the sound. The priest was not accustomed to these kinds of meetings, but Vasher had exerted certain pressures on him. A waiter arrived with two plates of spiced rice that Vasher had ordered earlier. "'Well,' Vasher repeated, "'I... I don't know. I haven't been able to find out much.' Vasher regarded the man with a stern stare. "'You have to give me more time. Remember your indiscretions, friend. Wouldn't want news of those getting out, would you? Would you? Eh. Would we?' Bebid was quiet for a time. "'You don't know what you're asking, Vasher. I'm a priest of Bright Vision the True. I can't br- betray my oaths. Good thing I'm not asking you to. We're not supposed to release information about court politics. Nah, Those returned can't so much as look at one another without half of the city returning it- learning about it within the hour. Surely you're not implying—Vasher gritted his teeth, bending his spoon with his finger in annoyance. "'Enough, Bebid.' We both know that your odes are all just part of the game, and I really hate games. There have been... rumors. This goes beyond simple court politics, Vasher, beyond games played between gods. This is something very real and very quiet. Quiet enough that even observant priests only hear hints of it. Vasher continued to eat. There is a faction of the court pushing to attack Idris, though I can't fathom why. Don't be an idiot. We both know Hallandran has sound reasons to slaughter every person up in those highlands. Royals, Bebid said. Vasher nodded. They were called rebels, but those rebels were the true Hallandran royal family. Mortal men, though they might be, their bloodline was a challenge to the court of gods. Any good monarch knew that the first thing you did to stabilize your throne was execute anyone who had a better claim to it than you did. After that, it was usually a good idea to execute everyone who thought they might have claim. So? You fight, Halendrin wins. What's the problem? It's a bad idea, that's the problem. A terrible idea. Kalad's phantoms, man. Idris won't go easily, no matter what people in the court say. This won't be like squashing that full var. The Idrians have allies from across the mountains and the sympathies of a dozen of dozens of kingdoms. What some, are, what some are calling a simple quelling of rebel factions could easily spin into another many war. Do you want that? Thousands upon thousands dead? Kingdoms falling to never rise again, all so we can grab a little bit of frozen land nobody really wants. The trade passes are valuable. Huh. The Edrians aren't foolish enough to raise their tariffs too high. This isn't about money, it's about fear. People in the court talk about what might happen if the Edrians cut off the passes, or what may happen if the Edrians let enemies slip through and besiege Tetelier. If this were about money, we'd never go to war. Halidrin thrives on its dying textiles trade. You think that business would boom in war? We'd be lucky not to suffer a full economic collapse. And you assume that I care about Halindrin's economic well-being. Ah, yes. I forgot who I was talking to. What do you want, then? Tell me so we can get this over with. Tell me about the rebels. The Edrians? We just talked, not them. The ones in the city. They're unimportant now that Var is dead, the priest said with a wave of his hand. Nobody knows who killed him, by the way. Probably the rebels themselves. Guess they didn't appreciate his getting himself captured, eh? Vasher said nothing. Is that all you want? I need to contact the factions you mentioned. The ones who are pushing for war against Idris. I won't help you enrage the... Do not presume to tell me what to do, Bebid. Just give me the information you promised and you can be free of all of this. Vasher, I can't help. My lady isn't interested in these kinds of politics and I move in the wrong circles. All right. Who then? Bebid relaxed, using his napkin to wipe his brow. I don't know. Maybe one of Mercy Star's priests. You could also try Blue Fingers, I suppose. Blue Fingers—that's an odd name for a god. Blue Fingers isn't a god. That's just a nickname. He's the high palace steward, head of the scribes. He's pretty—he pre- pretty much keeps the court running. If anyone knows anything about this faction, it will be him. Of course, he's so stiff and straight, you'll have a hard time breaking him. You'd be surprised. I got you, didn't I? I suppose. Vasher stood. Pay the waiter when you leave, he said, grabbing his cloak off its peg and wandering out. He could feel a... darkness to his right. He walked down the street, then turned down an alley where he found nightblood, still sheathed, sticking from the chest of the thief who had stolen him. Another cut purse lay dead on the alley floor. Vasher pulled the sword free, then snapped the sheath closed. It had only been opened a fraction of an inch, and did up the clasp. "'You lost your temper in there for a bit. "'I thought you were going to work on that. "'Guess I'm relapsing.' Nightblood paused. "'I don't think you ever really unlapsed in the first place.' "'That's not a word,' Vasher said, leaving the alley. "'So? "'You're too worried about words. "'That priest, you spent all those words on him, then you just let him go. "'It's not really how I would have handled the situation.' "'Yes, I know.' Your way would have involved making several more corpses. Well, I am a sword, Nightblood said with a mental huff. Might as well stick to what you're good at. <laughs> we cut <laughs> We cut to Light Song's POV. Yay. Light Song sat on his patio watching his new queen's carriage pull up to the palace. Well, this has been a pleasant day, he remarked. You're that happy to have a queen? Light Alaramyr asked. I'm not happy to have avoided petitions for the day thanks to her arrival. What do we know about her? Not much, your grace. The Idrians surprised us by not sending the eldest daughter as planned. They sent the youngest in her stead. Interesting. Ooh. Uh, she's only 17 years old. I can't imagine being married to the god king at her age. Uh, I can't imagine- <laughs> Hang on, no, no, it's okay, there's a joke, there's a joke here. Okay, so, so, so Laramie just said I can't imagine being married to the god king at her age. I can't imagine you being married to the god-king at any age, Scoot, Lightsong said. Then he pointedly cringed. Actually, yes, I can imagine it, and the dress looks painfully inelegant on you. Make a note <laughs> to have my imagination flogged for insul- its insolence in showing me that particular sight. I'll put it in line right behind your sense of decorum, Your Grace. Don't be silly, I haven't had one of those in years. He leaned back, trying to decide what the Edrians were signaling by sending the wrong princess. Two potted palms waved in the wind, and Lightsong was distracted by the scent of salt on the incoming sea breeze. I wonder if I sailed that sea once, he thought. A man of the ocean? Is that how I died? Is that why I dreamed of a ship? He could only vaguely remember that dream now. A red sea. Fire. Death. Killing and battle. He was shocked as he suddenly remembered his dream in more vivid detail. The sea had been red as it reflected the magnificent city of Tetelier engulfed in flames. He could almost hear people crying out in pain. He could nearly hear, what, soldiers marching and fighting in the streets? Lightsong shook his head, trying to dispel the phantom memories. The ship he'd seen in his dream had been burning too, he now remembered. It didn't have to mean anything. Everyone had nightmares. But it made him uncomfortable to know that his nightmares were seen as prophetic omens. Oh, sit down and stop looming over me. You're making the buzzards jealous. Laramie raised an eyebrow. And which buzzards would that be, Your Grace? The ones who keep pushing for us to go to war, Lightsong said, waving a hand. The priest sat down and relaxed. He'd been stiff and formal at all times the first few years, but Lightsong had worn him down. I don't know, Your Grace. I don't like this. The queen's arrival. Laramere nodded. We haven't had a queen in the court for some thirty years. I don't know how the factions will deal with her. Lightsong rubbed his forehead. Politics, Laramir, you know I frown on such things. Your Grace, you are, by default, a politician. Don't remind me, please. I should very well like to extract myself from the situation. Do you think, perhaps, I could bribe one of the other gods to take control of my lifeless commands? I doubt that would be wise. It's all part of my master plan to ensure that I become totally and redundantly useless to this city by the time I die. Again. Redundantly useless. Of course. Regular uselessness wouldn't be enough. I am, after all, a god. Lightsong relaxed and tried to push his dreams out of his mind. He could tell Laramere about them in the morning, and maybe the priest could use them to push for peace with Idris. Dedelin not sending his eldest would spark more debate in the court. More talk of war. Still, Laramir said as if talking to himself, They did send someone. That is a good sign, surely. An outright refusal would have meant war for certain. And whoever certain is, I doubt we should get have a war for him, Lightsong said idly. War is, in my divine opinion, even worse than politics. Some say the two are the same, Your Grace. Nonsense. War is far worse. At least where politics is going on, there are usually nice hors d'oeuvres. What will the Edrian rebels Edrian rebels, do now, do you think? Here's the thing, Scoot. The Adrian's don't consider themselves to be rebels. They're not sitting up in their hills waiting for the day when they can return in triumph to halandrin This isn't their home anymore those peaks are hardly a kingdom. They're enough of a kingdom to control the area's best mineral deposits, four vital passes to the north, and the original royal line of the original Hallandran dynasty. They don't need us, my friend. And the talk of Edrian dissidents in the city, ones rousing the people against the court of gods? Rumors only. Though, when I'm proven wrong and the underprivileged masses storm my palace and burn me at the stake, I'll be sure to inform them that you were right all along. You'll get the last laugh. Or, well, the last scream, since you'll probably be tied up beside me. Laramere <laughs> sighed, and Lightsong opened his eyes to find the priest regarding him with a contemplative expression. The priest didn't chastise Lightsong for his levity. Laramere just reached down, putting his headdress back on. He was the priest, Lightsong was the god. There would be no questioning of motives, no rebukes. If Lightsong gave an order, they would, do all-, they would all do exactly as he said. Sometimes that terrified him. But not this day. He was instead annoyed. The Queen's arrival had somehow gotten him talking about politics, and the day had been going so well until then. <laughs> More wine, Lightsong said, raising his cup. You can't get drunk, Your Grace, Laramie noted. Your body is immune to all toxins. I know, Lightsong said, as a lesser servant filled his cup, but trust me, I'm quite good at pretending.
2: <laughs> Chapter 6 Siri
0: stepped from the carriage immediately. Dozens of servants in blue and silver swarmed around her, pulling her away. Ciri turned, alarmed, looking back toward her soldiers. The men stepped forward, but Trelides held up his hand. The vessel will go alone, the priest declared. Ciri felt a stab of fear. This was the time. Return to Idris, she said to the men. But my lady, the lead soldier said. No, Ciri said. You can do nothing more for me here. Please return and tell my father that I arrived safely. Ciri entered into a long hallway. She wished she had run, but now it was too late. She was alone. She was led through a maze of corridors and was embarrassed by the servants' low-cut clothing. They brought her into a large room with tubs in the center, then began to undress her. They poked and prodded at her, gathering measurements, then backed away to let her enter the tub. The servants entered behind her and started to bathe her. Ah, good, a voice said. We're right on schedule. Perfect. Siri froze. That was a man's voice. She snapped her eyes open to find an older man in brown robes standing beside the tub writing something on a ledger. He was balding and had a round, pleasant face. A young boy stood next to him bearing, bearing extra sheets of paper and a small jar of ink for the man to use in dipping his quill. "Siri!" screamed, startling several of, the, of her servants as she moved with a su- sudden splashing motion, covering herself with her arms. The man with the ledger hesitated, looking down. Is something wrong, Vessel? I'm bathing! Yes, I believe I can tell that. Well, why are you watching? But I'm a royal servant, far beneath your station. Ah, yes, Idris sensibilities, I had forgotten. Ladies, please splash around and make some more bubbles in the bath. The serving woman did as, ex- as asked, churning up an abundance of foam in the soapy water. There, I can't say a thing. Now, let us get on with this. It would not do to keep the god-king waiting on his wedding day. The women continued to work. As you might guess, we're on a very tight schedule. There's much to do and I would like all this, this all, to go as smoothly as possible. Siri frowned. And who exactly are you? My name is Haverseth, but everyone just calls me Bluefingers. He held up a hand and wiggled the fingers, which were all stained dark with blue ink from writing. I am head scribe and steward to His Excellent Grace, Susabron, God King of Halendron. In simpler terms, I manage the palace, attendants, and oversee all servants in the Court of Gods. He paused, eyeing her. I also make certain that everyone stays on schedule and does what they are supposed to do. Now, the palace tailors are working very quickly on your gown. We had a good estimate of your size, but final measurements were necessary to complete the process. We should have the garment ready for you in a short time. There are some things we need to discuss. I presume you have been taught the proper method of treating His Immortal Majesty. Ciri glanced at him, then looked away. She probably had been taught, but she didn't remember. And either way, she wasn't in a frame of mind to concentrate. Ah, well then, this could be... Interesting. Allow me to give you some suggestions. First, please understand that the God King's will is law. He needs no reason or justification for what he does. Your life, like all of our lives, is in his hands. Second, please understand that the God King does not speak with people such as you or me. You will not talk to him when you go to him. Do you understand? Siri spit out a bit of soapy water. You mean I'm not even able to ta- speak with my husband? I am afraid not. None of us can. Then how does he make judgments and rulings? The Council of Gods handles the kingdom's more mundane needs. The God-King is above the day-to-day governance. When it is necessary for him to communicate, he gives his judgments to his priests, who then reveal them to the world. "'It is unconventional that you are allowed to touch him. "'Fathering a child is a necessary encumbrance for him. "'It is our job to present you in as pleasing a way as possible "'and to avoid, at all costs, irritating him.' Austere god of colors. "'What kind of creature is this?' "'Bluefingers eyed her. "'I know something of your temperament, Vessel. "'We have, of course, researched the children of the Idrian monarchy. "'Allow me to be a little more personal and perhaps a little more direct "'than I would prefer.' If you speak directly to the God-King, he will order you executed. Unlike your father, he is not a man of patience. I cannot stress this point enough. I realize that you are accustomed to being a very important person. Indeed, you still are that important, if not more so. You are far above myself and these others. However, as far as you are above us, the God-King is even farther above you. His immortal majesty is... special. The doctrines teach that the earth itself is too base for him. He is one who achieved transcendence before he was even born, but he then returned to bring his people blessings and visions. You are being given a special trust. Please do not betray it, and please do not provoke his anger. Do you understand? Siri nodded. She felt rage inside, rage at knowing something horrible was coming and being unable to do anything to stop it. The servant woman finished. Ah, finished, are we? Excellent. You and your ladies are efficient at, as always, Jalan. Let us proceed, then. Siri got out of the tub, entered another one to be rinsed off, and then entered a third one to have perfum- perfume applied. Finally, she was finished, and the servants dressed, uh, dressed her in a blue robe. You may turn around, she told the steward. Excellent. Quickly now, we still have much to do. They moved into another room. His majesty is associated with no single hue, Bluefinger said, waving to the bright colors of the room as the women led Siri to the plush chair. He represents all colors in each of the iridescent tones. Therefore, each room is decorated with a different shade. The servant girls tried to brush Siri's hair but had trouble so they just ended up cutting it. Then, Siri closed her eyes and focused. She wasn't certain how she did it. The royal locks had always been part of her life. Altering them was like moving any other muscle to her, if more difficult. In a few moments, she was able to get the hair to grow. Several women gasped softly as the hair sprouted from Ciri's head and moved down to her shoulders. Growing it made her feel hungry and tired, but it was better than letting the women fight snarls. Finished, she opened her eyes. Blue Fingers was watching her with an inquisitive expression, his ledger held loosely in his fingers. That is. "'Fascinating. The royal locks. We have waited quite some time for them to grace the palace again, Vessel. You can change the color at will?' "'Yes,' Siri said. Some of the time, at least. "'Is it too long?' "'Long hair is seen as a sign of beauty in Hallandran, my lady. I know you keep it bound up in Idris, but here flowing hair is favored by many of the women, particularly the goddesses, Part of her wanted to keep the hair short just out of spite, but she was beginning to realize that such an attitude could get her killed in Hallandrin. Instead, she closed her eyes and focused again. The hair had been shoulder length, but she extended it for several minutes, making it grow until it would reach all the way down her back once she stood. Ciri opened her eyes. Beautiful one of the younger serving women whispered, then flushed, immediately returning to her work on Ciri's toenails. Very nice. I will leave you here. I have a few things to deal with, but will return shortly. The women continued to apply makeup to Ciri as she considered the task ahead of her. She hadn't wanted to get married as a child, and while she'd grown out of that, she still didn't feel ready to grow up. She hadn't been able to make this decision for herself. She was being forced into the arms of a deity with the power to destroy nations. Bluefingers eventually returned. Another person entered behind him. An elderly man in the blue and silver clothing Siri was beginning to associate with those who served the God King. But Bluefingers wears brown. Why is that? Bluefingers nodded to the elderly man. The vessel, this is one of the palace healers. Before you are taken to the God King, you will need to be inspected to determine if you are a maiden and to ensure that you don't have certain diseases. It is really just a formality, but one that I'm afraid I must insist upon. In consideration of your bashfulness, I did not bring the young healer I had originally assigned to the job. I assume an older healer will make you more comfortable? Siri nodded and the doctor did his examination. And this is like a little inter- internal monologue she has. Susabron, the God King. Awesome, terrible, holy, majestic. He had been stillborn, but had returned. What did that do to a man? Would he even be human, or would he be some monster, terrible to behold? He was said to be eternal, but obviously his reign would eventually end. Otherwise, he wouldn't need an heir. So yeah, like, he had never lived. Huh. The doctor finished his examination, telling Bluefingers that Ciri was quite healthy and had a very strong breath. Ciri froze. How could he tell? And then she saw it. She had to look very closely, but the yellow flora around the surgeon looked a tad too bright. She felt herself pale, though the nervousness had already made her hair as white as it went. The doctor is an awakener. There's an awakener here, in this room, and he touched me. She cringed, skin writhing. It was wrong to take the breath from another person. It was the ultimate in arrogance. The, the complete opposite of Ydra's philosophy. Others in Hallandrin simply wore bright colors to draw attention to themselves, but Awakeners, they stole the life from human beings and used that to make themselves stand out. The perverted use of breath was one of the main reasons that the royal line had moved to the Highlands in the first place. Modern-day Hallandrin existed on the basis of extorting the breath of its people. Ciri felt more naked now than she had when, she, when actually unclothed. What could this Awakener tell about her because of his unnatural life force? Was he, attempted to, was he tempted to steal Siri's biochroma? She tried to breathe as shallowly as possible, just in case. Blue Fingers and the doctor exited the room as the women began to dress Siri. He will be worse, she realized. The king, he's not just an awakener, he's returned. He needs to suck the breath from people in order to survive. Would he take away her breath? No, that won't happen. He needs me to provide him with an heir of the royal line. He won't risk the child's safety. He'll leave me my breath, if only until then. But what would happen to her when she was no longer needed? Sirius is distracted by the sight of herself in a mirror. She'd never seen that much color on herself in her life. Between- She thanked the servants who led her into another hallway. The hallway was of the deepest black. She'd almost forgotten how dark the stone walls of the palace were. The hallway was empty save for Bluefingers who stood waiting for her with his ledger. He smiled, bowing his head in respect. The God King will be pleased. vessel. We are exactly on time. The sun only just set. Siri turned from blue fingers directly across from her was a large, imposing door. It was plated entirely with gold. four wall lamps shone without coloured glass, and they reflected light off the gilded portal. She had no question as to who lay behind those or beyond the, such an impressive entrance. This is the God King's sleeping chambers, rather one of his sleeping chambers. Now, my lady, you must hear this again. Do nothing to offend the king. You are here at his sufferance and are here to see to his needs. Not mine, not your own, and not even that of our kingdom. I understand, she said quietly, heart beating faster and faster. Thank you. It's time to present yourself. Enter the room, then remove your dress and underclothing. Bow yourself to the ground before the king's bed, touching your head to the floor. When he wishes for you to approach, he will knock on the side post, and you may look up. He will then wave you forward. She nodded. Just... Try not to touch him too much. Siri frowned, clenching and unclenching her increasingly nervous hands. How exactly am I going to manage that? We're going to have sex, aren't we? Blue fingers flushed. Ugh. Yes, I guess you are. This is new ground for me too, my lady. The god king, well, only a group of specially dedicated servants are supposed to touch him. Uh, my suggestion would be to avoid kissing him, caressing him, or doing anything else that might offend him. Simply, let him do to you what he wishes and you should be safe. Siri took a deep breath, <sighs> nodding. When you are finished, Bluefinger said, the king will withdraw. Take the bed linens and burn them in the hearth. As the vessel, you are the only one allowed to handle such things do you understand? Yes, Ciri said, growing increasingly anxious. Very well, then, Bluefingers said, looking almost as nervous as she was. Good luck. With that, he reached forward and pushed the door open. Oh, austere god of colors, she thought, heart pounding, hands sweating, growing numb. Bluefingers pushed her lightly on the back, and she stepped into the room. Chapter 7 The Door Shut Behind Her Siri stood quietly in her ornate velvet dress, heart-thumping, brow-sweating. To her right, she could make out a massive bed with sheets and covers of black to match the rest of the room. The bed appeared unoccupied. Siri peered into the darkness, eyes adjusting. The fire crackled, throwing a flicker of light across a large throne-like chair sitting beside the bed. It was occupied by a figure wearing black, bathed in darkness. He watched her, eyes twinkling, unblinking in the firelight. Ciri gasped, casting her eyes downward, her heartbeat surging as she remembered Bluefinger's warnings. Venna should be here instead of me, Ciri thought desperately. I can't deal with this. Father was wrong to send me. Ciri panicked as she undressed, then knelt on the floor. She gritted her teeth, imagining the God King sitting there, watching her be subservient and naked before him. She hadn't seen much of him, other than to notice his size. He was a good foot taller than most other men she'd seen, and was wider of shoulders and more powerful of build as well. More significant than other lesser men. He was returned. In and of itself, being returned wasn't a sin. After all, returned came in Idris too. The Halindrin people, however, kept the returned alive, feeding them on the souls of peasants, tearing away the breath of hundreds of people each year. Don't think of that, Siri told herself forcefully. Yet as she tried to clear her thoughts, the god-king's eyes returned to her memory. Those black eyes which had seemed to glow in the firelight. She could feel them on her still, watching her as cold as the stones upon which she knelt. She continued to kneel, but the god-king made no movement. She wondered if she'd upset him somehow. She wondered if he was playing with her for some reason, but there was no sound. No knock or cough or even a shuffle from the god-king. And so she continued to wait, naked in the light of the coals, as the night wore on. And we cut to Lightsong's POV. Uh. Lightsong reclined on a couch, watching a display of fireworks. The wedding night of their god-king was an extravagant- extravagant- extravagant event. Susabron wasn't in attendance himself, of course, such festivities were beneath him. Lightsong looked over at the looming palace, then around at the other gods who had set up in front of their own palaces. Lightsong called for more fireworks, exciting the firemasters as they'd pleased him with their first set. As they set up, a familiar figure wandered into Lightsong's ring of torches. Laramir wore his priestly robes, as always. Even when he was out in the city, which was where he should have been this night, he represented Lightsong in his priesthood. Scoot? Your Grace, are you enjoying the festivities? Certainly. You might say I'm positively infested. But what are you doing here in this court? In the court. You should be out with your family. I just wanted to make certain everything was to your liking. Lightsong rubbed his forehead. You're giving me a headache, Scoot. You can't get headaches, Your Grace. So you're fond of telling me. I assume the revelry outside the holy prison is nearly as amazing as what we have here inside? Liramir frowned at Lightsong's dismissive reference to the divine compound. The party in the city is fantastic, Your Grace. Tetelier hasn't seen a festival this grand in decades. Then I repeat that you should be out enjoying it. I just, Scoot, if there's one thing you can trust me to do competently on my own... It's enjoy myself. I will, I promise in all solemnity, have a ravishingly good time, drinking to excess and watching these nice men light things on fire. Now go be with your family. Laramere paused, then stood, bowed, and withdrew. That man, Lightsong thought, sipping his fruity drink, takes his work far too seriously. A very important woman approached, wearing very little clothing. Blush Weaver, the beautiful goddess of honesty. This should be interesting, Lightsong thought, thought, smiling to himself. Her servants carried a couch to be set beside Lightsongs, and Blush Weaver laid down on it. They flirt for a bit, uh, it sucks. Lightsong is a funny character, and he has some good lines, but in the long run, it's just, like, not super important stuff. I'm gonna read this little exchange because it's funny. Blushweaver turned from the display. So you do find me beautiful. Of course, why, my dear, you're positively rank with beauty. You're literally part of the definition of the word. It's in your title somewhere, if I'm not mistaken. My dear Lightsong, I do believe that you're making sport of me. I never make fun of ladies, Blushweaver. Mocking a woman is like drinking too much wine. It may be fun for a short time, but the hangover is hell. Blushweaver paused. But we don't get hangovers, for we cannot get drunk. We can't. Where why the blazes am I drinking all of this wine? Blushweaver raised an eyebrow. Sometimes, Lightsong, I'm not certain when you are being silly and when you're being serious. Well, I can help you with that one easily enough. If you ever conclude that I'm being serious, then you can be sure that you've been working too hard on the problem. Blushweaver tries to get him to go sleep with her, but he's reminded of the face of the woman in his dreams and declines the offer. Blushweaver shook her head. You confuse me sometimes, Lightsong. If it weren't for your reputation, I'd simply presume you to be shy. How could you have slept with Calmseer but consistently ignore me? Calmseer was the last honorable return this city has known, Lightsong thought, sipping his drink. Nobody left has a shred of her decency. Myself included. Blushweaver stayed there, watching the fireworks. Lightsong had assumed she'd come for more than just light-verbal sparring or to seduce him. She always had plans. Eventually, his hunch paid off. She turned from the fireworks, eyeing the Dark Palace of the God-King. We have a new queen. I noticed, though admittedly only because I was reminded several times. They fell silent. Have you no thoughts on the matter? I try to avoid having thoughts. They lead to other thoughts, and if you're not careful, those lead to actions. Actions make you tired. I have this on rather good authority from someone who once read it in a book. Blushweaver sighed. You avoid thinking, you avoid me, you avoid effort. Is there anything you don't avoid? Breakfast. Blush Weaver didn't react to this, which Lightsong found disappointing. She was too focused on the king's palace. Lightsong usually tried to ignore the large black building. He didn't like how it seemed to loom over him. Perhaps you should make an exception, and give some thought to this particular situation. This queen means something. Lightsong turned his cup around his, in his fingers. He knew that Blushweaver's priests were among those who called most strongly for war in the court assembly. He hadn't forgotten his phantom nightmare from earlier, the vision of Tettelier on fire. That image refused to fade from his mind. He never said anything for or against the idea of war. He just didn't want to be involved. We've had queens before. Never one of the royal line. At least there hasn't been one since the days of Kalad the Usurper. Kalad. The man who had started the many war. The one who had used his knowledge of biochromatic breath to create a vast army of lifeless and seize power in Hallandrin. He had protected the kingdom with his armies, yet had shattered the kingdom as well by driving the royals into the highlands. Now they were back. Or at least one of them was. This is a dangerous day, Lightsong. What happens if that woman bears a child who isn't returned? Impossible. Oh, you're that confident. Of the returned, only the god king can en- can engender children, and they're always stillborn. Blushweaver shook her head. The only word we have for that is from the palace priests themselves, yet I've heard of discrepancies in the records. Even if we don't worry about those, there are plenty of other considerations. Why do we need a royal to legitimize our throne? Isn't 300 years of rule by the court of gods sufficient to make the kingdom legitimate? Lightsong didn't respond. This marriage implies that we still accept royal authority. What happens if that king up in the highlands decides to take his lands back? What happens if that queen of ours in there has a child by another man? Who is the, he- who is the heir? Who rules? The god-king rules. Everyone knows that. He didn't rule 300 years ago. The royals did. Then, after them, Kalad did. And after him, Peacegiver. Change can happen quickly. By inviting that woman into our city, we may have initiated the end of returned rule in Hallandrin. She fell silent, pensive. Lightsong studied the beautiful goddess. It had been fifteen years since her return, which made her old for a returned. Old, wise, and incredibly crafty. Blushweaver glanced at him. I don't intend to find myself caught surprised like the royals were when Kelod seized their throne. Some of us are planning, Lightsong. You can join us if you wish. Politics, my dear. You know how I loathe it. You're the god of bravery. We could use your confidence. At this point, I'm only confident that I'll be of no use to you. Her face stiffened as she tried not to show her frustration. Eventually, she sighed and stood, stretching, showing off her perfect figure once more. You'll have to stand for something eventually, Light Song. You're a god to these people. Not by my choice, my dear. She smiled, then bent down and kissed him softly. Just consider what I said. You're a better man than you give yourself credit for being. You think I'd offer myself to just anyone? He hesitated, then frowned. Actually, yes, I do. She laughed, turning as her servants picked up her couch. Oh, come now. There must be at least three of the other gods I wouldn't think of letting touch me. Enjoy the party and do try to imagine what our king is doing to our legacy up there in his chambers right now. She glanced back at him, particularly if that imagining reminds you of what you just missed out on. She winked, then glided away. Lightsong sat back on his couch, then dismissed the Firemasters with words of praise. As the minstrels began to play, he tried to empty his mind of both Blushweaver's ominous words and the visions of war that had plagued his dreams. He failed on both counts. And that is the end of the chapter.
2: Hmm.
0: Lightsong is like if Dalinar didn't want to do shit. <laughs> He's like, I'm having visions, but I don't- I don't want to get up. I'm comfortable. <laughs> Chapter 8. Siri woke up the next morning, sore and uncomfortable, after having spent the night on the floor of the God King's bedchamber. Black rugs, she thought, sitting in the middle of the rumpled blue dress, which she'd used as both blanket and pillow. Black rugs on a black floor with black furniture. These Hallendrons certainly knew- know how to run with a motif. The God King wasn't in the room. Ciri glanced toward the oversized black leather chair where he'd spent much of the night. She hadn't noticed him leave. She'd gone the whole night untouched. She'd been less than respectful. She'd curled up and pulled her dress close. She'd even glanced at the chair a few times, having forgotten she wasn't supposed to look at him. He hadn't ordered her executed. Blue Fingers had made her worry that the God King was volatile and quick to anger. Yet if that was the case, then he had held his temper with her. What else was he going to do? The Hellandren had waited for decades to get a royal princess to marry into their line of god-kings. She smiled. I do have some power. He couldn't just kill her, not until he had what he wanted. Everything in the room was built to be just a little bit bigger than normal, which made her feel extra short in in it. She eventually climbed up into the bed and fell back asleep. When she awoke again, her dress that had been left on the floor was gone, and the fire had been rebuilt. She remembered that she was to burn the sheets, so she wadded them up and threw them in the fire. The servants and priests wouldn't know that she spent the entire night on the floor unless the god king told them. She wasn't sure why the god king had ignored her, so she decided to let everyone think the marriage had been consummated for now. She opened the door to the room, revealing two dozen serving women kneeling outside. They quickly entered the room, carrying large chests, and opened them, revealing lots of clothing. Siri looked through them all, again shocked by all the colors, and finally picked an outfit. It was mostly acceptable, though it revealed her midriff. The serving women did her hair and applied her makeup and perfume. When she opened her eyes, perfume misting down around her, Bluefingers was standing in the room. "'Ah, excellent,' he said, servant boy standing obediently behind with ink, quill, and paper. "'You're up already.' "'Already?' Ciri thought. "'It has to be well past noon.' Bluefingers looked her over, nodded to himself, then glanced at the bed, obviously checking to see that the linens had been destroyed. "'Well, I trust that your servants will see to your needs, Vessel.' With that he began to walk away with the anxious tread of a man who felt he had far too much to do. Wait, Siri said, standing, jostling several of her serving women. Bluefingers hesitated. Vessel? Siri floundered, uncertain how to express what she was feeling. Do you know what I'm supposed to do? Do Vessel? You mean in regards to he glanced at the bed. Siri flushed. No, not that. I mean with my time. What are my duties? What is expected of me? To provide an heir. Beyond that, Blue fingers frowned. I, well, to be honest, Vessel, I really don't know. I must say, your arrival has certainly caused a level dis- of disruption in the court of gods. In my life too, she thought, flushing slightly, hair turning red. Not that you're to blame, of course. But then, well, I certainly wish I'd had more forewarning. More forewarning, this marriage was arranged by treaty over twenty years ago. Yes, well, but nobody thought... (sighs) Well, either way, we shall do our best to accommodate you here in the king's palace. What was that, Ciri thought? Nobody thought that the marriage would really happen? Why not? Did they assume that Idris wouldn't keep its part of the bargain? Regardless, he still hadn't answered her question. Yes, but what am I supposed to do? Am I to sit here in the palace and stare at the fire all day? Blue fingers chuckled. Oh, colors now. My lady, this is the court of gods. You'll find plenty to ocupi- occupy you. Each day, performers are allowed to enter the court and display their talents for their deities. You may have any of those brought to you f- for a private performance. Ah, can I maybe go horseback riding? Blue fingers rubbed his chin. I suppose we could bring some horses into the court for you. Of course, we'd have to wait until the wedding jubilation is over. Wedding jubilation? You don't know then were you not prepared for any of this? Siri flushed. No offense intended, Vessel. The wedding jubilation is a week-long period in which we celebrate the God-King's marriage. During that time, you are not to leave this palace. At the end of it, you will officially be presented to the Court of Gods. Oh, and after that, I can go out of the city? Out of the city? Vessel, you can't leave the Court of Gods. What? You may not be a god yourself, but you're the wife of the God-King. Thank you, whoever just moved a chair upstairs. (laughs) It would be far too dangerous to let you out. But do not fret. Anything and everything you might request can be provided for you. Except freedom, she thought, feeling a bit sick. I assure you, once the wedding jubilation is over, you will find little to complain about. Everything you could want is here. Every type of indulgence, every luxury, every diversion. Ciri nodded numbly, still feeling trapped. Also, Bluefinger said, holding up an ink-stained finger— if you wish, the court assembly meets to provide decisions to the people. Full assembly meets once a week, though daily there are smaller judgments to be made. You are to sit on the assemb- sit on the assembly itself, of course, but you will certainly be allowed to attend once the jubilation is over. If none of this suits you, you may request an artist of the God King's priesthood to attend you. His priests include devout and accomplished artists from all genres. Music, painting, dance, poetry, sculpture, puppety- puppetry... Play performance, sand painting, or any of the lesser genres. Siri blinked. God of colors, she thought. Even being idle is daunting here. But there isn't any of this that I'm required to attend? No, I shouldn't think so. Vessel, you look displeased. I... How could she explain? Her entire life she'd been expected to be something, and for most of her life she'd intentionally avoided being it. Now that was gone from her. She couldn't disobey lest she get herself killed and get Idris into a war. For once, she was willing to serve, to try and be obedient, but ironically, there didn't seem to be anything for her to do, except, of course, bear a child. Very well. Where are my rooms? I'll go there and situate myself. Your rooms, Vessel? Yes, I assume I'm not to reside in this chamber itself. <laughs> no, the Conception Chamber, or the Conception Room. Of course not. Then where? Vessel... In a way, this entire palace is yours. I don't see why you'd need specific rooms. Ask to eat and your servants will set up a table. If you wish to rest, they will bring you a a couch or a chair. Seek entertainment and they will fetch performers for you. Suddenly, the strange actions of her servants, simply bringing her an array of colors to choose from, then doing her makeup and hair right there, made more sense. I see, she said, almost to herself. And the soldiers I brought with me? Did they do as I commanded? "'Yes, Vessel. They left this morning. It was a wise decision. They are not dedicated servants of the Tones and would not have been allowed to remain here in the court. They could do you no further service.'" Siri nodded. "'Vessel, if I might be excused.'" Siri tried to talk to one of the serving—yeah, he, he fucks off. Siri tried to talk to one of the serving women that was close to her age, but the woman just blushed and bowed her head. She walked to the door and asked one of the women if there was anywhere she was forbidden to go. The woman shook her head. She moved through a few of the rooms from before, noting that the room with the tubs had been completely transformed, the tubs now nowhere to be seen. She wandered the halls, getting good and lost. She eventually asked for breakfast, and her servants assembled the dining area and procured hot food in less than 15 minutes. Hesitantly, she picked up a fork and tried a bite. It wasn't until that moment that she realized how hungry she was. The meal was composed primarily of a group of sausages mixed with vegetables. The flavors were far stronger than she was accustomed to. However, the more she ate the spicy Hallandrin food, the more she found herself liking it. Hungry or not, it was strange to eat in silence. Siri was accustomed to either eating in the kitchens with the servants, or at the table with her father, his generals, and whatever local people or monks he had invited to his home that evening. It was never a silent affair. Yet here in Hallandrin, land of colors, sounds, and ostentation, she found herself eating alone, quietly in a room that felt dull despite its bright decorations. Her servants watched. None of them spoke to her. Their silence was supposed to be respectful, she knew, but Ciri just found it intimidating. She tried several times to draw them into conversation, but she managed to get only terse replies. She she chewed on a spiced caper. Is this what my life is to be from now on, she thought? A night spent feeling half-used, half-ignored by my husband? Then days spent surrounded by people yet somehow still alone? She shivered, her appetite waning. She set down her fork, and her food slowly grew cold on the table before her. She stared at it, a part of her wishing she'd simply remained in the comfortable, oversized black bed. And that
2: is where we will stop for this week. Huh. Oh. Did that go how you expected? Uh, it went
1: better than I expected.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes,
0: it did. I was <laughs> very worried my first time reading when she went into that room. And very pleased how it ended up paving out. Uh I'm so I've never been so happy that nothing happened.
2: <laughs> this book
0: is a lot of politics. Mm. Um You've got Vasher doing whatever Vasher is doing. So like uh,
1: Episode two,
0: yeah, yeah. Like I mean, Vasher's doing whatever Vasher's doing. I mean, he's not really like in that conversation he has with that priest. He's just kind of like, yeah, you guys are gonna do your thing, I guess. But I have my like, I, you guys are gonna go to war. Somebody will kill somebody, and I don't really care. But he has some I just agenda. Need
1: information
2: on something. Mm-hmm. Um.
0: Light Song is like i said the opposite of doubt or like a worse dalinar he's having his his visions he's He's a lot of bravery but he doesn't
1: care about anything he's like i don't don't want i don't want to do anything
2: he's stoner
0: dalinar um
1: (laughs) except not a stoner because he probably can't get high either but no
0: probably not at all (laughs) times that sucks uh (laughs) That's awful. <laughs> I understand why he hates his life. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, and yeah, that's you got introduced to Bluefingers, who's mm-hmm. a supporting character. I really voiced- don't like
1: them referring to her as vessel.
0: Yeah, it kind of it
1: dehumanizes. Yeah. Like they consider her higher than them, but then they de- dehumanize
0: her. Well, like, she's well. just a a body to them that's going to bear the God King's kid.
1: Yeah, and I hate it.
0: Yeah, no, it's awful. It sucks.
1: Except not anytime soon, apparently.
0: Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't even talk to her. He didn't. He didn't make any noises. He didn't cough. He just kind of sat in his chair and and did nothing.
1: Just stared at her.
2: Yep. And when she woke up on the floor later, he was nowhere to be found. Yep. Gone. Huh. But we'll find out. We'll find out something next week. I honestly am not super sure. I don't have notes past this point. Um, But I do know that
0: the next chapter we're going to catch back up with Vivenna. Okay. Who was absent completely from this episode. She was. So yeah, next week we'll we'll catch back up with Ravenna. We'll mm-hmm. see what, what her grand plan is. I'm sure it's completely thought out and that this princess didn't just fly off with half a plan. I'm sure that's not what happened.
1: Of course not. She's been trained her whole life to be smarter than that.
2: Yeah. You'd think.
0: Uh regardless mango where can people find you on the internet
1: you can find me on twitch at mango asteroid where um sometimes i stream hopefully i'll be streaming some more because i want to get to affiliate but yeah where can people find you sean
0: you guys can follow me on twitter at sean underscore afk and that's about it like everything that i do is in my my twitter bio like I said off the top, we launched a Discord, so if you guys want to jump in and hang out, talk some Cosme or Sanderson, we'd love to have you guys. You guys can find the link to join that in the episode description. And also, as the pinned tweet uh, on our Twitter account, which is at SpeakStormlight, our email is SpeakTheWordsASP at gmail.com, which I actually have not checked in a while, but I doubt anybody has emailed us. Um... But I will I I'm gonna check right now, even though we won't read them this episode. If if we did get anything, we'll read them next episode. Uh, yeah, no, we haven't got anything, I didn't think so. Um you, but you can email us if you'd like to at speakthewordsasp at gmail.com. Uh and our cover art was done by Tyler Rims. That's at Tyler Rims on Twitter. He's a really cool guy. And you guys should go follow him for all the anime girls that he retweets and for when he <laughs> plays video games on <laughs> twitch but for now mango you're not tricking me this time you're not gonna I'm not giving you my breaths this time we got you uh, 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 your you you're gonna say it this time say what uh, uh, our, 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 our thing we say this season at the end I have to I'm gonna I don't I'm know what its put it, is. it in our chat I'm gonna put it, I'm not saying it I'm not you're you're not gonna trick me again I'm gonna put it in in chat that's our sign-off for this season.
1: Which thing?
2: I just put it in the general chat. I'm pinning, I just pinned it.
0: You're not taking my There's breath. no
1: chat that says general chat. Oh, there is one. Suddenly I can't read.
0: I don't know! Yeah. <laughs> I'm already a drab. What do you want from me?
1: <laughs> my life to yours. My breath become yours.